we go. There we go. Okay, now we're live. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm going to wait for everybody to get back in here. Give me a five-five if you can hear me. Um, that was really weird. There we go. So let me explain to you what just happened. Uh, I don't know what just happened. I know that Zoom froze up. Uh, the computers went down. And usually when that happens, literally Podbean shuts down too. But when I opened it back up, I was still live, which is why you guys are able to communicate to, to each other. Um, that was really weird. Yeah, so this is now called uh, Satan Strategies Part 2. Um, speaking of Satan Strategies Part 2, I feel like I need to go ahead and get right into the topic of the night, which is Satan Strategies. So uh, let me get my notes up here real quick. How weird. That was really weird. Once again, for those who are watching the second, um, the second pot or the published podcast, this is now broken up into two shows. So, uh, yeah, and well, everything. What's that? I said we're all good. They're all coming in. Yeah, how weird is that? That was strange. As everybody's coming in here, I will get the notes back up here. All right, guys. So Conley, you with us, right? I'm with you. All right. Can you man. hear me? I can hear you, man. <laughs> That was really, really weird. Um, like I said, everything froze up. Everything did. So it wasn't an internet issue, I don't believe. So I had to restart everything and get it back up. And now the show's back up. And like I said, when I got back up, the, the show was still running live. And you've done this before, Conley. Usually when you shut your computer off, the show shuts down too. Spiritual attacks, 100% Nikki, which is why I'm going to go right. I'm skipping the news. We'll, we'll hold it off until later if we have time. I'm going to run into tonight's topic. Um. Guess what it's named? Satan Strategies. Yeah, this would be Satan Strategies Part 2, um, which we never got to the topic, so I will start it from here on. So one of the most sobering facts about life is that all humans have a, super, a supernatural enemy whose aim is to use pain and pleasure to make us blind, stupid, and miserable forever. The Bible calls him the devil, Satan, Beelzebub, the prince of darkness, and a whole bunch of other names, um, the deceiver of the whole world, the accuser. Revelation 12, 9 through 10, the ruler of this world, John 12, 31, and the God of this age, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. He is our adversary who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's 1 Peter 5, 8. Yet in the most appalling and unwitting bondage, the whole world willingly follows the prince, the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And you find this in Ephesians 2, 2. At this most, um, at his most successful, his subjects march obliviously to destruction and take as many with them as they possibly can. The good warfare, First Timothy um, one eighteen, that I wrote about under the title "Awake and at War," includes the daily resistance of this enemy. First Peter five nine, James four seven, the daily refusal to give him an opportunity. Ephesians four twenty seven and the daily stand against his schemes, Ephesians 6, 11. So the devil doesn't care who he goes after. The devil literally went after Jesus in the desert. Um, no one is off guard. If you think that he's going to go after Jesus and not come after us, um, go watch part one of this. And when it abruptly cuts off, you'll see that they mess, he'll mess with God. He will mess with us. No question. Um, so what are the different things? What does the devil do in order to come after us? Well, Satan's 10 strategies against you. Satan's leash um, and impending doom. See, God is sovereign over Satan. The devil does not allow a free hand in this world. He is on a leash so that he can do no more than God permits him to do. So everything that's happening on this earth is being allowed. And God's got his reasons for that. You know, he, it's developing our faith, strengthening our souls. Are we worthy of heaven? Well, this is how we find out if so. Um, in effect, he must get permission to do anything that the devil does on this earth. As in the case of Simon Peter, where Jesus discloses, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has asked to have you, that he might sift you like wheat, Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31. In the case of Job, the Lord said to Satan, behold, Job is in your hand, only spare his life, Job 2, 6. So evidently, God sees the ongoing role of Satan as essential for his purpose in the world. Since if God willed, Satan would be thrown into the lake of fire right now instead of the end of the age, like it's promised in uh, multiple books in scripture, including Revelation. The devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Revelation 20, 10. 
His complete defeat is coming and sure, but not yet. Um, Jesus doesn't even know that time. Unwitting servant of our sanctification. God intends that part of our preparation for heaven be a life of warfare with hell. He calls it a good warfare, 1 Timothy 1.18, and a good fight in 1 Timothy 6.12. It is good not because we might be killed, which we might, Revelation 2.10, but because these firefights refine the gold of our faith, 1 Peter 1.7, in the life and death. God is the great general in this warfare. He has given us the walkie-talkie of our prayer to call for help. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times, Ephesians 6, 17 through 18. He sees behind enemy lies or enemy lines and knows exactly the strategies that will be used against us. He has written them down in a wartime manual so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. The reason we will not be outwitted is that we are not ignorant of his designs. You can find this in seven or second Corinthians two eleven. So Conley, I'm going to bring you in here. Um, we are in a war right now. We discussed that at the beginning of the show, and obviously we didn't need to go over news tonight. We need to go straight into this. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough is how the whole show started off. So God, I hear you loud and clear. Satan, mm-hmm. we're back live, buddy. Sorry, man. God's going to squash you in the end, and you better you, you better run right now. You better quit it, man, because it's over. You have no authority You've here. You've got no authority, exactly. You have no authority you, you, here. Anything that you're doing right here is only allowed by God temporarily. But like Matt and Hev said, your time is short. So bring it. I'm not taunting you, but come on, bring it. We've got the <laughs> greatest general. Yeah, we're laughing at you. We've got the greatest general in the world who is running this. Our faith isn't getting weaker. It's getting stronger. The more you throw at us, the closer we become to God. The stronger we are, the more we're willing to fight in this battle that we can't see. You know, like I said, hundred percent. Yeah, there's nothing you can do, Satan. Just keep bringing it on, and we'll go live four times a night if we have to, and make part eight of Satan Strategies, part eight. Um, <laughs> We're gonna be like Douglas. Yeah, exactly. Be like Douglas. Exactly. Exactly. So get behind me, Satan. I'm gonna go with the old official Godcast. Get behind me, Satan. Do you say go. get behind me, Satan? <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. That's good stuff, but it's real stuff. Exactly. Um. So the unwitting servant of our sanctification, you know, and and this is the thing is that we are not ignorant to his designs. God has told us through scripture on what we need to be aware of, what we need to watch for. And a lot of this we discussed at the beginning of this was what? Fear not. The importance of that, because fear, uh, you know, how we see, let's just take the devil out of this for a second. Look what our governments do. How does the government control us through fear? I can give you a thousand examples just in the last two years of how they use fear, um, you know, through conspiracy, through fires, to us having these conversations through the whole January 6th debacle, which is keeping us scared to go out and say and do what we need to say. Are we frozen again? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Conley, you're just being really still. I know I'm being really still. No, I'll take a picture. I took a picture of you two when you were frozen. Oh my God. And I was just reading some things. Okay. Keep, so, keep going. And I know, yeah, you're right. The government is the devil. Um, Diva, you're 100% correct. But, you know, this is just the surface of how they use fear to control us all. They use fear to enslave us. There are people out there that are scared to death not to pay their taxes. When there's no law, there's no for Like, literally, they have lied to us, and they use fear to keep us in line to do everything they need to, even to fund these dark ops and, and child trafficking and all this nonsense that they're doing. Fear is a powerful thing, which is why God says over and over again to fear not. Scripture is important. It's not just the book that gets you closer to God. It's a book that literally teaches you how to handle these things, what you need to do, what you need to watch out for. Once again, um, I'll go back and read this whole thing again. He sees behind enemy lines, knows exactly the strategies that will be used against us. He has written them down in a wartime manual referring to God so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. The reason we will not be outwitted is that we are not ignorant to his designs. Why are we not ignorant? Because we've got the book of books. We've got the scripture down here literally giving us a guideline, not only of what not to do, but what we need to do. Jesus came here and gave us so many different lessons. Exactly. It's a guidebook more than anything. 
I think the book's way more deeper than our brains could even fathom right now. I think that there's a lot more that's tied into it than just the the normal surface reading of scripture. And one day when it's time, God will give us that discernment to really break everything down. Um, I just think that the book is way even is is even more brilliant than we think that it is right now with our little measly meat body brains. Um, but the neat thing is, 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 as we continue to stay in it and read it, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna keep showing us the things that he wants us to learn. Yeah, see what happens if you stop working out for three months, your muscles mm -hmm. begin to atrophy. Well, your brain's a muscle, your soul, your heart. You know what I'm saying? All of these things will atrophy if you don't use them. If you don't love, your heart will atrophy. If you mm -hmm. don't preach, if you don't read gospel, if you don't talk about God, your soul will atrophy. You know, we need to constantly be working this out, not only just mending our armor, but working out our, our, our spiritual source, that connection to God. Um, cause you will, you don't use it. You'll lose it. Exactly. Matt and have, um, so primer on Satan's strategy. So this right here is just kind of a prelude to the different strategies that Satan uses to come against us. So if you need a refresher for, um, those designs, um, there's a summary right here that I'm about to read to you. May God, um, make you a mighty warrior. May he train your hands for war and your fingers for battle. That is Psalms 144.1. Um, so first, Satan lies and is the father of all lies. When he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's John 8.44. Um, the first time Satan appears in the Bible in Genesis, literally at the beginning of Scripture, um, uh, Genesis 3 the first words on his lips are suspicious of truth. Did God say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the second words on his lips were a subtle falsehood. You will not die. John says that Satan has nothing to do with truth because there is no truth in him. This is John 8:44. We are dealing with the essence of falsehoods and deceptions. And that's the thing is that the devil isn't a wizard. He doesn't snap his fingers and, and make you rot and turn into ash. He gives you choices. He sows doubt. He gets into your mind and allows you to use the thing that God gave us that literally separates us from the angels. One of the things, free will. And, and he can't break your free will. So um, I see, I hear a lot of people that are like, well, what about, you know, what if they drop the, the vaccinations into the skies and, and the airborne stuff like they've talked about? You know what I'm saying? You got God's protection. They can't break the rules. You know what I'm saying? Right. Remember, Satan, yeah, Satan's on a leash. So yeah. they can try, but what's going to happen is your faith is going to clean you up, man. That's the, the ultimate vaccination right there is the heavenly vaccination mm -hmm. or prayer. And they actually are. Yale, Yale, I saw a story tonight. I was going to talk about that tomorrow. Yale's doing, um, they're doing testing right now with mRNA and nanotechnologies. Um, with an aerosol delivery on mice right now. Yeah. Yep. So, yes. it, but you made a really good point. So what? So what? Your God is so much bigger and stronger than those dipwads who are trying to do that. Yes. It really is. It really is. I mean, he really is. And so, you know, it's just a good reminder. We, t we talk about stories and all that kind of stuff in the news, but it's not to get anybody upset. And it's just more to kind of let you know what they're doing. So you know how to pray, first of all, how to pray and counteract exactly all of that evil. Yeah. Because that's exactly what Satan is doing. You're, you're listing all the different ways that Satan's going to come at us. And that's one of them. Exactly. And then I want you to think about this. Yes, we, we do bring some news and tell you a lot of negative stuff that's going on in the world. But I ask you this. Did God cease to talk about Satan in Scripture? No. He was doing exactly what we're doing daily is kind of warning you about what happened. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing. It's what brings you awareness, understanding, and uh, you, you have to know your enemy in order to fight your enemy. How do you defend yes. yourself? You have to learn the, the ways of war in order to um, understand how you're going to be effective on the battlefield without dying five minutes once you step out there. Well, we were just talking about, you know, <laughs> bad people and good people. 
<clears throat> and that they're supposed to, and there is has been good people operating against the bad people how do they know how to operate against the bad guys they know what they do or they try to get an idea of where the next attack is going to come from that's why there's ebbs and flows in a long protracted war and this is a long protracted war it, no it it absolutely this is a long this is the longest war ever i mean we're, we're talking like two thousand years yeah plus. definitely look at world war ii well look what happened after normandy they made they got their foothold they started going through southern france monty got a bug up his butt because he wanted to be monty and then they came up with operation market garden and they decided to paratroop you know thousands of dudes into the netherlands worst decision got a bunch of people killed that didn't need to be killed mm -hmm. prolonged things even further um, and if it wasn't for Patton coming up through the south of France and going up into Belgium and into Bastogne and preparing for that before the meeting ever started, before they even had the meeting, he had already planned for that. They would have never, they, they would never have taken, it would have taken longer to take Bastogne in Belgium. No. Yes. That's exactly the type of things that we're talking about right now. Yeah. You know, um, Jesus, what's that? Jesus um, talked about Satan as well. And it's one thing, you know, is you have to understand about the devil is one of the big schemes the devil did was the whole like cartoon, red, horned, hooved, pointy tail thing. That's not something we've seen. It's not something we're used to seeing. We can, we just blow it off as a story. You know what I'm saying? Like if they talked about Satan as a man or, you know, a biped walking around this earth, it'd be a whole different story. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't look at I mean, it the way we, we, we look at the, the cartoonish devil, almost like a joke. And therefore people look at it more of a story or a lesson to teach kids and make them behave than something that's real. But it's, I was about to say that's real. Yeah. But I mean, he wore Prada. Yeah. They made it, a whole it, movie about that, it. There was a whole movie about that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but now if you notice when Jesus talked about Satan, you know, I, I'm sure Jesus had a great sense of humor. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm sure he had a great sense of humor, but when it came to talking about Satan, he was very direct. He never mm -hmm. joked about it ever. You know what I'm saying? Like it was very like matter of fact, you know, like just he, like I said, there was no jokes, cracks or anything like that. He, it was mm -hmm. very serious. Like it was business. It was all it was business. Cause it yeah. was very real. Exactly. Um, and like I said, is if the devil's going to go after the son of God on this earth, you know, imagine him coming after us. So that's what they do. Part of the devil's great deception. The greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing the world that he didn't exist. You know what I'm saying? I know that there's more to that, but, but it's right. Um, a lot of the world, they just, they joke about it. They don't think that it's real. They're like, well, I'm sure there's evil, but there's no devil. Oh, well, I, I will argue with that one all day long. Um, so the number two um, strategy of the devil is that he blinds the minds of unbelievers so the god of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of christ that is second corinthians 4 4. so he is so he not only speaks what is false he hides what is true he keeps us from seeing the treasure of the gospel he lets us see facts even proofs but not preciousness and right here it says he keeps us from seeing the treasure of the gospel what was one of the things that God asked us to do to spread the gospel from nation to nation? There's a reason for that. We can't let it die off. I'm going to go back to the book of Eli. They literally removed all the Bibles. They had a war. Supposedly it was based over the removal of the Bibles ended the majority of humanity. Um, you've got one guy whose destiny was to um, make sure that the Bible became more than just the one that he held and another guy trying to get a hold of the bible so that he could use it to control people another one of satan's tactics this is after like the apocalypse or or a uh, world war or whatever ended up being um the irony in this movie is that the bible was braille mm -hmm. so even when the guy said it the, the woman's words were so brilliant because she was blind the words to her was like you know, you have what you saw right in front of you, but may as well be a million miles away, mm -hmm. you know? And, and that's the thing is the Bible can be right in front of you, but what happens if you don't read it? It may as well be in another country. You know what I'm saying? Open the book, 
read it, understand, develop your tactics, your warfare, understanding your enemy and understanding what Christ was teaching us so that we have a better thing. Because like it says here, number two, he blinds the minds of the unbelievers. He goes after the believers too and tries to convince them he doesn't exist. And we talk about that Jay-Z movie about the, his fake Bible movie that he created. Another thing is sowing doubt. You get people arguing. We talk about this all the time. Is the earth round? Is the earth flat? Doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? But as long as we're arguing over that, we're not focusing what we need to be focusing on. It's another deceptive tactic. And that's through, that is literally through believers. Um, the same thing. Jesus is black. Jesus is white. I don't really care what color Jesus was. Honestly, I don't care if he was green. I still love Jesus. He was the son of God right here on this earth. Um, but once again, what do they do? They use this tactics to divide us and to have people walk away from our faith. Um, you know, and they do that about everything right now. You know, I seen, even seen the argument recently that's getting more and more apparent is his name's Jehovah. No, his name's Yahshua. No, his name's Jesus. Look, he's God. He's God. He knows well, you're not, you know, he doesn't listen to your lips. He listens to your heart. You know what I'm saying? So if I'm calling him Jesus, if I accidentally call him Bob, he's going to know that I'm talking about him. You know what I'm saying? Because he's reading my heart. Um, I don't get upset if somebody misnames me, you know what I'm saying? So why would God, you know, God knows your intent. He knows if your heart is, is filled with love. He knows if your heart's filled with hate. Um, once again, the devil does everything he can in order to sow doubt, to sow division and to blind our minds. And like I said, he, and, and we're seeing examples now of him coming after us even more so as Christians. And I've said it before, I take that as a badge of honor, Satan. You come after me all you want to. That just means that I'm over the holy target. I'm serving God or you wouldn't be messing with me like you are. I must be a threat and I'm okay with that. Conley, are you okay with that? I'm okay with that. Because he has no control. He has no control. No. He just tries to exert everything. Yeah. And it's just a matter of us having our, you know, honing our will as making sure that we're serving God's will. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. We have free will, but our desires are to serve God's will because we love God and we appreciate, we, we humble ourselves to understand that we, we would be nothing. We would be ash and dust on the ground of it. What we were ash and dust on the ground before God made us, you know, um, God and Jesus whispered our lives into existence and, greatest gift we ever got so we need to utilize that by by paying our father back you know what i'm saying it's no different we want to make our own dads or our flesh dads happy you know we definitely want to make the, the dad dad happy the one that created us the one that gives us what we have the one doesn't give us he allows it he could just allow it but he gives you know what i'm saying that's the beautiful thing about god he could just allow it but he, he goes even further and gives and he i see miracles like this every single day um so number three is Satan masquerades in costumes of light and righteousness. This is, in my opinion, one of the most dangerous because you know, a lot of people go to church and they expect that their preacher in a church with a cross over the front door, maybe a nice little bell, you're going to a place where you're going to get closer to God. But that's not always the case because how many churches have we talked about over the last like couple of years, Conley, that are bringing transgenderism, homosexual, like literally everything that God finds is abomination. They're bringing into the church and they're subtly twisting it. And, and that's the way that the devil works is he twists it just enough to be like, Oh no, 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 no. You were just misunderstanding. It's, it's so that it's very appealing <clears throat> on the surface. Yes. It's a very shiny object that makes you feel good and is attractive. And then as you stay in there and as you stay in there and as you stay in, it's very much like a Venus flytrap. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of analogies, but that's, you know, that's really one. And the fly just sits there and sits there and sits there and then there it goes. And yeah. And that's where your prayer, that's where prayer life is, is so, again, that's why prayer is so strong and so important and so important to give you that discernment. Because you'll have that peace. If you're not connecting with the Holy Spirit, then then you're not connecting with anything, really. And 
you're going to fall into that very same lie right there that you're talking about. Satan gives you the shiny things or he'll tell you the lies. You're not really a girl. You're not really a guy. You need to be something that you're not. Um, or, or for Christians within the church, you need to pray harder for more money. Yeah. As an yeah. example, you you need to have a better and abundant life. And that's all that God, that's That's what God's here for you. See, is to give you an abundant life. Osteen, great example of that. Yeah. They don't preach salvation. Mm-mm. They, they, they literally preach, um, materialism like hey god put you on this earth let me tell you how to gain more through through prayer and you know oh no 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 i only need to gain one thing through prayer and it certainly isn't money a fancy car and a nice house it's my soul you know and who's benefiting they they, are. they the churches are absolutely look at look at kenneth copeland oh, i need it i need man. i need more you know and there's a video going around now again it's and it's come back out um where a, a reporter is interviewing him about his plaints and you can see how that man changes yes into something very demonic yes you can have people have put the enhancement in his eyes but if you look at the raw video of that it changes of itself and for those of you around the fort worth area you guys know where his house is off of eagle mountain lake and it's huge it is huge what does a pastor need to have with a 10,000 or 20,000 square foot home. No, I know, you know, and I'm convinced, uh, Kenneth Copeland was Isaac and the children of the corn just grown up. <laughs> was yes. it Malachi? I think it was Isaac. I think Isaac yeah. was like the creepy little one. And then Malachi was the redhead, um, older creepy guy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But Kenneth Copeland is that, that short kid that wore the, the Amish hat, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's, that's his, his message is more destructive or because it's preying on people. And what is that? Uh, oh, propel or propel guy. He's, he's on the, uh, it's usually like at two or three o'clock in the morning. It's a, a infomercial type thing. You get the, you get the prayer cloth and the prayer water and all that. And, and he's been caught so many different times, but people, but he still comes back. Yes. Yes. It'll be under a different LLC. It'll be under something different. It's renamed. Because there's always victims out there and they're preying on those people who are, do you want to know what you guys, if you guys are looking for something to do and how to pray, pray for those people, find out who those people who are, who are looking to and, and believing that stuff. Um, what was it? Robert Tilton was another example of that. And he was out of Dallas um, who would, you know, do all that kind of the televangelist, whatever. It's changed. You know, you see more Tony Evans. He's out of Dallas. You see more, maybe if you're a local preacher, that kind of thing. It's not, it's not like it used to be, although it can be. And those who are teaching you to, or telling you or intimating to you that you need to tithe to the church to get things are the ones who are not telling you the truth. But they do. They sure do have big churches, and they have big houses, and they, and they live. They live well. They They're do. not, and that's not knocking the modest guys. Um, and you guys know who your pastors are, who are good. And I know a lot of. I know several men who were who were good pastors and good churches around the DFW area. But yeah, the the prosperity stuff is is horrible because it takes you in the exact opposite direction to where God wants you to go. And you're not doing anything to, you're not spreading the gospel. You're spreading the prosperity doctrine. No, you are. I, I love this, Jay Wu. Order now and you'll get one, not two, but three prayer claws. Call now. Supplies are limited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You send in a, you send in a donation of $30 and I'll add this booklet or I'll add this, uh, it's extra this, prayer. Uh, we will get, yeah. Or this vial of water from the, the sea of Galilee. Yeah. <laughs> And it really comes from Flint, Michigan. <laughs> it does. Like, why is it brown? It's just, you know, it's that kind of stuff, too. But that's Satan. That's Satan. And, you know, we've you, you've given quite a few different analogies. No, not analogies. You've given quite a few different perspectives of what Satan will do and has been doing. And he'll tempt you. Look at what he did with Christ three times. Look at, look at the three things that he, he, he tried to give him. Yeah. 
So you think he's not doing that to people? Oh, no, 100%. 100%. So we'll get on to, to okay, there's masquerades in the costume of light we just talked about and righteousness. So mm-hmm. um, in 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15, Paul says that some people are posing as apostles who are not. He explains this. Even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. So it is not strange if his servants also disguise themselves as serpents of righteous or servants, serpents. Well, as a Fordian slip servants of righteousness. Um, in other words, Satan has servants who profess enough truth to join the church and from inside teach what Paul calls the doctrines of demons. That was mm-hmm. first Timothy four one. Jesus right. says that they will be like wolves in sheep clothing. That's Matthew seven fifteen, and acts 20, 30 says they will not spare the flock, but will draw people away to destruction without God's gift of discernment. And that's um, Philippians 1, 9. Our love will be suckered into stupidity. Man, it's almost like they wrote that like a week ago. <laughs> right? I know, the man. The Bible is constant. It's, the Bible is constant. It's too real. Too real. So number four. To a degree, so is Satan. Yeah, oh yeah, exactly. Number four is Satan does signs and wonders. God talks about this. Is look to the skies for signs and wonders. He didn't say look to the ground for signs and wonders. Um, the devil uses this all the time in order to mislead us. False prophets, um, you know, mysticism, whatever you want to call it. So in the second Thessalonians 2 9, um, the last days are described like this. The coming of the lawless one by the activity of Satan will be with all power and with signs and wonders of the lie. That's my awkward translation. So some translate it with false signs and wonders, but this makes the signs and wonders look unreal. In fact, some people do say that Satan can only fake miracles. Um, I doubt that. And even if it's true, his fake is going to be good enough to fool almost everyone in this world. And we've talked about Project Bluebeam. We've talked about um, just... All, like the DWs, you know what I'm saying? Like imagine somebody on the ground snapping their fingers, you know, like an antichrist or something. And then all of a sudden this big ball of light comes down and destroys what's in front of them. That would appear like a miracle or signs and wonders, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it's it's projection, deception. Project Bluebeam, great example. You look up in the sky, you see the second coming of Christ or alien invasions or something literally that sends people into mass hysteria. Um, it's trickery. It's 100% trickery. But even if the devil isn't able to actually perform these things, he's certainly going to make them look real enough to where people um, buy it. Um, One reason that I doubt Satan can only fake his miracles is that Matthew 24, 24, Jesus describes the last days like this. False Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders. So as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect, there is no hint that these signs and wonders will be tricks. You know what I'm saying? So that puts a little bit more reality into it rather than just, you know, um, illusions that it could be more than just the illusions. But like I said, what is, what is, um, this technology, these black operation technology, it's forbidden knowledge. You know what I'm saying? So it, it is, it's, it's real. It's more than just an illusion. Illusions are faking the eyes, you know what I'm saying? But you know, like, direct energy weapons a little bit more than an illusion so let your confidence be grounded in something far deeper than any supposed um, inability of satan to do signs and wonders even real signs and wonders in the service of the um, anti-christian assertions prove nothing even when we have done in the name of jesus lord lord um did we not do many works in your name to which jesus will reply i never knew you depart from me you workers of lawlessness Matthew 7, 22 to 23. The problem was not that the signs and wonders weren't real, but that they were in service of sin. And this is where we have to be very cautious, understand scripture, understand what God and Christ were telling us through scripture so that we don't end up down that path serving sin involuntarily. Once again, even the elect, um, people of high faith would turn their backs on God. You know what I'm saying? Like this is the times that we're coming into and as it gets more and more chaotic, there's people that are just giving up, losing faith and so forth, which makes you more vulnerable to what the devil's trying to put you through. So number five is Satan tempts people to sin. 
This is what he did unsuccessfully to Jesus in the wilderness, which Conley was talking about a little while ago, what Satan was offering Christ. He wanted him to abandon the path to suffering and obedience. That's Matthew 4, 1 through 11. This is what he did successfully to Judas in the last hours of Jesus' life, Luke 22, 3 through 6. And in two, or 2 Corinthians eleven three, Paul warns against this for all the believers. I am afraid that the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning. Your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So imagine when false information um, distracts us and, and brings us off our narrow path. Imagine what these signs and wonders and these illusions and tricks will do. You know, Connolly, this is why we got to be, you know, super careful. And I think it's part of the reason that we kind of intermix, you know, the scriptural talk in God as well as to what we're seeing happen in this world right now so that we can let people see that deception to be cautious about jumping like we did the other night on, um, on the whole uh, burning man incident, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And bringing it forth and being like, look, we're bringing this out, but be cautious about where this is going. Cause you got the devil's going to use anything that he possibly can to swing it around another direction, manipulating you and literally bringing you away from that narrow path, focusing on something completely different that we shouldn't be focusing on rather than what we need to be focusing on or making you look bad. Yes. Then you don't have any, um, you don't have any respect. Yeah. People are going to go, Oh, you're just lying. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't bring the truth. And it's, you know, it's an, that's an important, I think that's a very important thing for everybody to remember. And we iterate that a bit for both. We do, we iterate it because we're, we're telling ourselves that all the time, you know, um, in one form or fashion, you know, when we do talk about things and bring you stories, make sure that they're, uh, you know, we're not telling you unless we know for a fact that it's a fact, we're going to let you know kind of what's out there, but he'll definitely use that one flaw. And, and, you know, honestly, people, you guys can ask yourselves, how many times have you said something and it, and it's either a misstatement or, or a lie, but it's either a misstatement or you, you know, kind of flub something. And that's the one thing. That's the one thing that people seem to harp on the most, not all the good stuff that you said or anything like that. They hope they hone in and focus on that one thing. And we're not going to be perfect, but we can definitely strive for that because that is what Satan is going to have his little minions doing. And that's, and we see it in the news. We see it. However, you know, they're dealing with Trump and eventually they're going to get to the point where they have to make up things. Oh yeah. And they're going to lie <laughs> because yeah. that's what they do. Uh, no, absolutely. There was a, a, a Futurama episode where Benyer was floating through space and came across God and, and God made a comment. Um, in, in this film, the, the God entity or whatever it was made a comment and said, you know, this is, this is humanity. When you do something that people don't like, or you do something wrong, everyone's there to point a finger at you. But when you do something right, it's like nothing ever happened at all. Yeah. And, and life is like that. We take everything that's good for granted, but man, one bad thing happens in your day. And that's what you focus on, or, you know, in, mm-hmm. in general, not us necessarily, but in general, um, so number six is Satan plucks the word of God out of people's hearts and chokes faith. Um, Jesus told the parable of the four soils in Mark um, 4, 1 through 9. In it, the seed of the word of God is sown, and some falls on the path and birds quickly take it away. He explains in verse 15, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word, which means um, was sown in them. Satan snatches the word because he hates faith, which the word produces, um, you can find that in Romans 10, 17. So Paul expresses his concern for the faith of the Thessalonians like this. I sent, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had been tempted by you and the labor would be in vain. First Thessalonians three, five. Um, Paul knew that Satan's design is to choke off the faith of people who have heard the word of God. Why is that? because we are over a target. We become a threat. The closer we get to God, the more God exists within us, the more he exists in our hearts, the more he exists in our fruits that we bear and the actions and the words that we speak. And the devil hates that because all we're doing now, when you become a true Christian, develop that true relationship is trying to make more Christians, 
trying to mate more people that understand and have that relationship with God. And that's the last thing the devil wants on this earth. And that's why God gave the devil the authority to go after Job and some of the other ones just to prove like, look, I don't care who you are, Satan. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, just don't take his life, but you can do whatever you want to. And what happened? Job prevailed. He got through it all. He had faith and love in God. Um, ended up being rewarded gratefully for what he had lost. But nonetheless, and he lost a lot. He suffered. But, but Job saw it more as enduring. And he got through it. And like I said, you know, this is where we need to be. We need to be Job's. Many of us kind of feel like that sometimes. Um, many, many of us fear yeah, being Job. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? There's nothing to fear. Fear not. Mm -mm. Fear not. Um, and be anxious for nothing. Exactly. You can try anything he wants to. But like I said, with our faith in God, like God's got our back. You know, don't take his life. You can take their money, their houses, their children, whatever. But don't touch the life. You know what I'm saying? But if you endure, you know, just imagine how strong you're going to be. You know what I'm saying? You're the one that I would want to be next to on this holy the battlefield that we're walking into. So number seven is Satan causes some sickness and disease. So Jesus healed a woman once who was bent over and could not straighten herself. When some criticized him for doing that on the Sabbath, he said, ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from the bond on the Sabbath day? That's in Luke 13, 16. Um, Jesus saw Satan as the one who would cause this disease. In Acts 10.38, Peter described Jesus as the one who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. In other words, the devil often oppresses people with illness. This, is, uh, this too is one of his designs. But don't make the mistake of saying that every sickness is the work of the devil. To be sure, even when a thorn in the flesh is um, God's design for our sanctification. It also may be the messenger of Satan. And this is a second Corinthians 12, seven, but there are other instances in which the disease is solely attributed to God's design without reference to Satan. It was not that this man sinned. And we talked about this one before or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. John nine, three, Jesus feels no need to bring Satan in as the culprit in his own merciful designs. And remember, some things are meant not just to teach you, but to teach those around you. Um, like I said, there's there's power in lessons because it strengthens you more. And it's just like anything that bad happens. We may fret it for today and maybe a week from now, but what happens like two months from now? We're on to the next thing. We're moved on. We're focused on what we need to be focused on. We've left that behind us, but we became stronger from the moment. It's like having a terrible vacation. You know what I'm saying? You, you may despise what's going on right there while you're having a terrible vacation, but a year down the road, those are some of the best stories you're ever going to have to tell people. And, and that passes on to the, you know what I'm saying? So it, it's not always Satan. It creates a disease. Um, like I said, sometimes it wasn't those, him being the center or his parents being the center, but God using you in order to, to show his mercy and his design. So number eight is Satan is a murderer. Jesus said to those who were planning to kill him, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with truth. That's John 8, 44. John says, do not be like Cain, who was of evil, who was of the evil one and murdered by his brother. That's first John 3, 12. Jesus told the blameless church of Smyrna, um, the devil is is about to throw some of you into prison. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. That is Revelation 2.10. That's where we're heading to right now. Um, to put it in a word, Satan is bloodthirsty. Christ came into this world that we might have life and have it abundantly. Find that in John 10.10. 10. Satan comes that he might destroy life, whatever and however he can, and in the end, make it eternal, eternally miserable. And uh, in the end, somebody's going to be eternally miserable. <clears throat> um, so number nine, Satan fights against the plans of missionaries. And we're seeing that pretty well right now. Um, we, our show just got shut down in the middle of the show yeah. like 40 minutes ago. Um, Satan fights against the plans of missionaries. So Paul tells us how his missionary plans were frustrated in 1 Thessalonians 2, 17 through 18. We endeavored 
the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. But Satan hindered us. Satan hates evangelism. He hates discipleship. He hates apostleship and will throw every obstacle he can in the way of missionaries and people with a zeal for evangelism. And, you know, in a way, that's what we're kind of doing on these shows is we're preaching God. We're doing exactly what the evangelists and the missionaries do, trying to bring people closer to Christ. The more you do, and I'm not saying this just the shows, like any one of you having a conversation out in public, every soul that you touch is, is a thorn in Jesus's, or not Jesus's skin, but in Satan's skin, a thorn in his skin. Every time that you bring somebody closer to Christ, don't ever forget the kind of power that you have, but also don't think that you're off limits because Satan's going to come after you harder than he goes after anyone else. Anyone else is easy game. Anyone with that love for Christ, that relationship with Christ, especially when they're trying to help other people find it is a pain in his butt. And it's going to come after you harder and harder every single time. Finally, number 10 is Satan accuses Christians before God. So in revelations 12, 10, it says, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. Satan's defeat is sure, but his accusations have not ceased. Um, it is the same with us um, as it was with Job, as we were just talking about. Satan says to God about us, they don't really love you. They love your benefits. Um, stretch out your hand and touch all that they have, and they will curse you to your face. Job 1.11. Their faith isn't real. Satan accuses us before God as he did Job. But it is glorious thing that the followers of Jesus have an advocate who always lives to make intercession for them. And that is Hebrews 7.25. He's going to come after us. He's going to accuse us from, but God always knows. It's not God that he's trying to persuade. It's the rest of humanity he's trying to persuade. Don't trust that person. They're not reliable. They're not trustworthy. They don't really have that relationship with Christ. Devil's going to do everything he can to get people to stop listening, listening to his disciples and his apostles right here on the earth by creating those accusations. <clears throat> like I said, I don't know any of us here that really, the benefit that I care about is being in the book of life. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and I'm willing to do as much as I possibly can here on this earth, right along with all of you who are willing to do the same exact thing. We don't care about those benefits. Those benefits are just a bonus to the love and the life that God's given us right here. And the fact that he chose all of us right now to be his apostles and his disciples, to spread that word, to make a difference in this world, to be awake and to be here right now for when the rest of those people who are in slumber get to the point where they start to wake up, we're going to be here for them. And we're still learning our lesson. We're, we're still training right now. We're training to pray for our enemies, to love our enemies. You know what I'm saying? So when that time comes, we do have open arms rather than clenched fists. And that's a tough one. You know, like I said, we, I struggle with that one often. I sometimes pray for my enemies and then have to ask God to please make that sincere in my heart because I am angry with them at that point. But, you know, that's our training right now is letting go of the, the anger replacing it with, with God's righteous anger and understanding that, you know, just like Paul, hearts can be changed and they can end up doing phenomenal things in the service of God. So all in all, Satan will not win. No matter what he does, it's been written in scripture. God's made that call already. Satan doesn't win. Those are some of Satan's designs. The path to victory in this warfare is to hold fast to Christ who has already dealt the decisive blow. The day that Christ died on that cross, came back to life, you know, as the spirit, it was over. The, the death blow was blown. And right now we're just waiting for it to play out. And we're going to be fine. We're here with each other. We've got God. We've got scripture. Um, we've got great conversation. We have all of you. We've got a prayer group. I mean, God is, is fittest for the battlefield. So um, before I go into prayer, I'm just going to read a couple of uh, of 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 a scripture, some verses here that kind of go along with this. First John three eight, the Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. Hebrews two fourteen, Christ took on human nature that though death he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is the devil. 
um, Colossians uh, 2.15, God disarmed the principalities and powers and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in him. In other words, a decisive blow was struck at Calvary. Mark 3.27, no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Revelations 20.10 says one day the warfare will be over. The devil will be thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone and will be tormented day and night forever and ever. You can see that Matthew 8, 29, 25 through 41. So resist. James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. James 4, 7. How do we do that? Here is how he did it according to Revelations 12, 11. They have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. They embraced the triumph of Christ by his blood. They spoke the truth and faith. They did not fear death and they triumphed. The New Testament highlights that prayers and pervasive accomplishment of every battle take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying all the times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Ephesians 6 17 through 18. So as the close of the age draws near and Satan rages, Jesus calls us to wartime prayer. Watch at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man, Luke 21, 36. Similarly, Peter makes an urgent call to end time prayer. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. 1 Peter 4 through 7, or 4 7. And even Jesus fought against the devil on our behalf with the weapon of prayer, the greatest weapon that we have. He said to Peter in Luke 22 31 through 32, Satan has asked to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. So Jesus illustrates for us the opposition of a specific satanic threat um, with prayer in the name of Christ powerful stuff. And of course, Jesus instructed us to make prayer a daily weapon, not a weapon when you feel like you need it. Look, I carry a 1911. Do I have to use it every day? No, but I've got it. And the thing is, it's the same thing with prayer. You don't wait until you need something. You pray. If you have nothing that you need to pray about specifically, just pray for thanks. Pray for someone else's salvation, but pray every single day. We said it earlier. If you stop doing certain things, you begin to atrophy your soul, your heart, your connection with Christ. Stay in prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is to deliver us from the successful temptation of the evil one. Do you confront the designs of the devil um, with the focus, determined power of prayer as we should every single day? There is no neutral zone. The question is not whether you want to be in war. Everyone is in it. Whether you're a follower of God, whether you've got God in your heart, whether you know Christ or not, we are all in this war. The devil is messing with every single one of us. So you may as well get involved in the war and you may as well find God. Because either we are defeated by the devil and thus following like cattle to the slaughter, the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2.2, 2, or we are resisting, resist him. Firm in your faith, 1 Peters 5, 9. There is no neutral zone. You either triumph by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, or you will be enslaved by Satan. Therefore, share in suffering as good soldier of Christ Jesus, 2 Timothy 2, 3, and wage the good warfare, 1 Timothy 1, 18. Pray without ceasing. The Lord Jesus is no less a warrior today than he is in the days of old. So I urge you again, come to him as willing soldiers of the Prince of Peace and learn to say, he trains my hands for war. Psalms 144.1. All right, guys. I think we've covered that. And uh, it's kind of fitting. Like I said, we didn't need to do the nose. We needed to go over this right here. And just an example that the attacks by Satan right in the middle of our show. Um, so Conley, do you have anything you want to add to this? I know we're a little bit late, but, it, but, um, if you want to add anything, um, before we go into prayer, man, I always love hearing your insight. No, brother. I think we're, I think we're, I think we're all, I think you're on point and 
prayer obviously is the key. It's 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 it has to be the primary. It has to be the primary thing that that happens every day. Yeah, and um, it it shields you against things. It it keeps your relationship close with God, and obviously that's the that's the that's the most important thing. And um, because when everything around you is not good and it's dark, he's the, he's the one that's there. He won't ever leave you, forsake you, because he told you that. He promised you that, and God's promises never fail. So um, that's not something that you can really go, well, I got a question about that. If you're not living in his will, then there'll be times when you won't hear him and he'll be quiet. Yeah. And um, that's not a time to be anxious either. That's a time to, to really dig in even more in, in, in your prayer life. So, and, and being obedient, just being obedient to what he's saying and what he's telling you, the Holy spirit will is telling you, he will tell you, he does tell you, he does. That's, that's why the great, the, the unforgivable sin is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Yep. If the Holy Spirit wasn't important, then there wouldn't be an unforgivable sin about it. No. Right? I used to, uh, I used to fight in this group when I was younger called the Society for, Cre- Society for Creative Anachronisms, called the SCA. We literally made armor. We fought on a battlefield. I'm talking Penzix, one of the big wars. It was like 20,000 against 20,000. It was like a straight-up war. Mm-hmm. And who... Do people go after first? They don't go after people with the junky armor. They go after people with the shiny armor. And the devil's doing that. We have the shiny armor. We repent. We have that relationship with God. We've got the shiny armor. So those demons aren't going to waste their time going after the guys with the junky armor. They're going to come after the guys who are the problem. Because the ones that wore the shiny armor were the kings the 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 knights you know what i'm saying the ones who are the greatest threat on a battlefield so what do you do you go to you take them out first you know what i'm saying because what are they doing they're building a they're building a bigger army the thing with the people in the junkie armor they're just part of the army but you got the ones with the shiny armor us the ones that repent daily that have our our heavenly armor mended there's a reason that demons and the devil come after us because we're the threat on this battlefield as we all should be Cause there needs to be a point where we're all wearing that shiny armor. Every single yep. one of us because every single day, every single day. Exactly. So I'm going to get into a little prayer real quick and get you guys on over to Fisher's Mint part two. Cause he actually did it earlier. I think he mistitled it from bar to <laughs> Fisher's Mint. but um, guys, everybody please bow your heads. Heavenly father. Thank you for getting this episode you know i can i can feel you when you were working through me and you were speaking through me dear lord and i just i i thank you you took the devil's actions against us earlier as our show got shut down and you turned it into one of the more powerful episodes we've ever done and i, I thank you for that father i don't take any credit for this because everything that i speak and do on this microphone is because of you and i'm very careful to speak your will and not mine so father do this to all of us as i know you do let us use everything that we do every place we go as our microphones let us talk to you in our cars in the shower let us talk to other people that may not know you in a convenience store at a gas station walking down the street father you give us many many microphones and many different opportunities to reach out to others dear lord i ask that you continue to mend our armor to where everybody has that shiny armor the devil and his demons won't know where to look. There are so many people that are serving you and working in your name, not being lukewarm, not just praying occasionally and, and asking you for things that they need, but praying in appreciation for what we have. Thanking you, dear Lord, for the lessons that we've gotten, even through the trials and the tribulations, which make us stronger, Father. Let us become the greatest warriors you've ever seen on this battlefield. And I have a feeling you already know that. Because you picked us all to be here at this moment, at this time, and you have brought us together in this wonderful army of family, people, the people, friends that became family. And I'm grateful, Father. You brought people in this my life that have inspired me, and I can only hope that I can do just a little bit for them. Your Lord, it's not about waking up millions of people. It's about waking up that one person. Because I've said before in one of my videos, dear Lord, that you inspired. You may only wake up one person in your life, but that may be the person that begins the revolution. Father, we don't know the kind of inspiration, the kind of touch that, that we have through you. 
We don't know how long of a reach we have across this world. We don't know where our words end up going from one person to the other, Father, but you do. And you don't ever teach one person a lesson as you teach millions of people a lesson through another's lessons. And I thank you, dear Lord. Your plan is so intricate and beautiful. So, dear Lord, inspire us all with discernment, with wisdom, with love, with righteous anger, not hate, Father. Let us let go of any hate grievances that we have with this fleshly world, dear Lord, and just love. Dear Lord, if we have to draw a sword, if we have to throw the rocks, let us do it because we're protecting those that we love. We're not offending. Dear Lord, we weren't meant to be offenders. We were meant to flip tables. We were meant to whip whips. We were meant to spread that word, that gospel, and that information, dear Lord. But we were also put here to sit on our hands. So, dear Lord, let us never take our eyes off the kingdom. Never let us take our foot out of the kingdom while the other one's here on this earth. Let us all step up and fight. Let us have the most courage we've ever had, dear Lord. So when we walk out into a battlefield with bullets whizzing past our heads, we have no fear because we're focused on the task at hand. We're focused on the missions that you gave us, and we're focused on helping and protecting one another. Dear Lord, strengthen our hearts, strengthen our souls, prepare us in every way that you need us to serve you, dear Lord, so that we can continue this battle until the day you send the devil back to hell. Dear Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. And once again, I ask you to watch over for those people that are our friends and the ones that we don't know in Chile and everywhere else around this world that are going through earthquakes, storms, tornadoes, sharknadoes, anything else, Father. Just bless this world and just protect everybody. Let us have the discernment. Let us have the visions so we can prophesy. Be a little bit prepared for what's coming, dear Lord, and to help others prepare as well. But we love you with all of our hearts, and we are thankful for every day you give us and everything you bless us with. In Jesus Christ's name and our Heavenly Father's name we pray. Amen. 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 Right on. Right on. Right on. Well, like I said, I was a little frustrated the way it began, the way that it shut off. But, man, God came through, didn't he? Uh, he, he did. We, we just talked. We did it in mime. We did it in mime while you were doing stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We all hum to ourselves. <laughs> I know. I was surprised that the conversation kept going. Um, like I said, I couldn't see anything on my end. I was shut off. Apparently, you guys weren't. So you will see tomorrow. For those of you who are listening, um, by the time you're listening to this, you already realize there's a part two to this show. Um, but there is a part one and a part two. So guys, um, Conley, once again, great conversation. I love you, brother, man. I am so thankful to have you here. Um, like I said, God brought us together for a reason. And yeah. uh, you're, you're like a battle buddy. Duncan friggin' McGregor. <laughs> Jim friggin' Conley. <laughs> we're going to see, you know, we're going to see each other in like a couple oh, weeks. Great. I know. Not even that 13 days. I'm excited. And I got my beautiful lady here. We get to have conversations all the time because I hate talking on the phone, but I love talking to her. So now I get to talk to her without the phone. It is awesome. It is awesome. Um, but Conley, I love you. Livin, I love you and everyone out here. I love you so much with all my hearts. Thank you for hanging with us through those difficulties. But you know what? They weren't difficulties. You know what it was? It was enduring. It was God getting us through something the devil tried to throw at us. And we came through stronger than we went into it. That's what I love about how all this works. So stand firm, stand tall against the, the devil. God's got your back. He's the greatest general we've ever had. And I thank you all for everything that you do in this war, in this battle. We'll be back tomorrow night. I believe it's Thursday, which means John will be here. We may have somebody who is in Hawaii during the whole fires. He's going to be coming on our show. I will let you know for sure tomorrow. But in the meantime, thank you for joining us for Kilted Christian episode 451, Satan's Strategies, part two. Guys, I will see you tomorrow evening. I love you much, and I leave you with this. Friends and family, don't ever forget that when the devil and our enemies find us on our knees, assuming that we've been defeated, that we're actually in prayer, which is the greatest sword in our armory. And the real war is just about to begin. I want to thank everybody for joining us for another episode of The Kilted Christian, which is the second show in the Bards block of Bards Nation Network. Don't forget to go watch Fishers of Men tonight and every night at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. And just like in old radio fashion, we sign out with the national anthem. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light What so proudly we held At the twilight's last gleaming Whose broad stripes and 
absolutely beautiful night make sure you head on over to bards fm fishers of men in your night with a little bit of love a little bit of prayer and a whole lot of unities we're gonna need each other more and more as we get to these chaotic times but we know how the book ends satan can do whatever he wants to god still wins he's got our backs so hold that line fear not stress not let go of the anxiety we have everything that we need stay in prayer hold that line be here for one another. Unify. Do not divide. Guys, I love you very, very much. I will see you tomorrow evening for episode 452, maybe part one, maybe part two. We'll see what happens. Guys, have a great evening. I love you, and I will see you tomorrow. God bless.